Hello listeners and welcome to the first episode of the Wicked Sports Podcast. Now, since this is the first episode, I'd like to give a quick overview about what this podcast is going to be about, and then I'll get to the couple topics we'll be discussing today on the first episode. Now, me myself, I'm a huge sports fan. I'm a huge Boston sports fan. I live just outside the city, so we will be discussing a lot of topics in the Boston sports world, but we'll also get to all the relevant topics that are going around in the sports world today. A lot of the stuff I feel like I'm going to be hitting on is, well, a lot of the so-called experts within the media. Um, Being here in Boston, we have two sports talk radio stations. Um, We have an NBC Sports channel, we have ESPN, there's FS1, and on these radio stations and TV stations and newspapers, you have a lot of members of the media that call themselves experts and they give their so-called hot takes and opinions and I don't know about you guys, but most of the time I listen to them and I think they don't know what the hell they're talking about. And a lot of the times I think they just have their own agenda and they just go down that route and they just think of every which way to express their opinion instead of actually looking at the facts and the statistics. So along the way, I'll be giving my opinions, and those will be based on facts and statistics and trying to prove that some of these media members are wrong. Now for the first episode today, I'd like to talk about the two I'd say pretty hot topics right now, at least in Boston, uh, definitely on TV and definitely on Sports Talk Radio around here. The first topic is the reveal of the 2020 Baseball Hall of Fame ballot. And the second topic, and, uh, you know, I'll admit I'm getting sick of listening to this too because just, again, the so-called hot takes are just getting thrown around left and right, but we will get into the Tom Brady situation, what I think is going to happen, how I think it's going to play out, and we'll get into some of the teams that have been speculated that the media believes he could go to, and I will prove to everyone why there is no chance of these things happening. So, all right, let's go. Gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Let's get ready to rumble. At this time yesterday, the results of the 2020 Baseball Hall of Fame ballot were released. Two people to get in, Derek Jeter and Larry Walker. Now, I think pretty obvious, you know, Jeter obviously was going to be a runaway. Everyone knew it. First ballot. 
Um, I think Larry Walker, personally, I honestly think Larry Walker is a pretty big surprise. Um, you know, the first thing that I thought of was, all right, well, what's the, what is the biggest moment of Larry Walker's career? Like when I think of Larry Walker, what was that moment where I was like, all right, he, you know, he's on top of the world. That's what I'm going to remember this guy for. And honestly, the only thing I could think of was in the All-Star game that year when Randy Johnson threw behind him and he decided to flip his helmet around and bat from the right side instead. Now, yeah, it was all, you know, it was a funny thing and, you know, it's going to be on a baseball blooper show, but that that doesn't say Hall of Famer to me. That just doesn't. And the, the thing with the Hall of Fame that I don't understand why these baseball writers, which, you know, again, this is something I'm going to harp on a lot throughout my podcast, whether it's today's episode, tomorrow, and the next day and the next day, is these media members, they have their specific agenda and they just run with it. They can't just look at a player or look at his numbers and take the facts and the stats and vote someone in. They have to have the specific agenda, whether it's, you know, he wasn't a nice guy, or, you know, I wanted to get an interview with him, and he turned me down, so I'm not going to vote for him. I mean, I feel like half the time with these guys, you would think that, you know, they didn't sign their kids baseball, so that's why they didn't vote him in. It just it just makes no sense to me. It, it is, it, it's just mind-boggling sometimes, but Hey, Larry Walker got in, all the power to him, I congratulate him, but at the same time, it just, I'm sorry, I just do not see him as a Hall of Famer. And, you know, again, you look at some of the voting, the way the voting was broken down, I mean, he got 76% of the vote about. Now, if you look about four years ago, so we're talking 2016 Hall of Fame vote. You look at the breakdown. Larry Walker received 15% of the vote. So, how, please explain to me how in four years his voting percentage goes up 60%. I mean, we're not even talking, like, that's a huge jump. And we're just talking in a four-year span. I mean, you look at years before that, he was getting like 10% of the vote, and then all of a sudden he gets 76%. And, you know, me being from Boston, uh, you know, say what you want about his tweets, his political views. A lot of times the stuff that comes out of his mouth, I even say, come on, you know, what are you, what are you doing? But Kurt Schilling deserves to get in. Again, I could, I could think of plenty of moments with Kurt Schilling as to why he's a Hall of Famer. And, you know, you, you know, a lot of people throw out the excuse, oh, you know, he's borderline. Oh, did he ever win a Cy Young? I mean, he came in second three times in the Cy Young voting. And he pitched in an era where he had Randy Johnson in it, not only in his league, but also in the same starting rotation. So, of course, he was going to get looked over. But you look up his regular season numbers, he had great regular season numbers, and when it came to the postseason, no one could match Kurt Schilling. He was the guy that you wanted the ball in his hand, whether it was Game 1, Game 7, that, I mean, for, for Christ's sakes, the Diamondbacks-Yankees World Series, he pitched Game 1, 4, and 7. I mean, he was a co-MVP with the Red Sox. They don't win in 04 without Kurt Schilling. That's like if he was on that 03 team that blew it, 
They might have won. They, I believe they definitely would have won the American League, if not the, the entire World Series that year. He was the guy to get them over the hump because he was just that guy. I mean, I, I always consider guys like him, you know, a guy like that where they're great in the postseason. I always say, oh, that guy's an assassin. Because, again, you just get that. You see the look in his eyes. And it's a playoff game. It's a big game. It's a big moment. And they just, you can tell that you see that focus and you know they're going to come through. Now, again, that's a guy like a Kurt Schilling. I mean, he's won three World Series titles. He won a co-MVP in the World Series. Again, the the 4 Red Sox don't even come close to winning that World Series without him. And, but... As I like to say, the media members have their agenda. Now, with Kurt Schilling, it's you have the people where they don't have the same political views. And I'm not going to get into all that, but we all know Kurt Schilling, ginormous Republican, huge Trump supporter. and But at the same time, what does that have to do with baseball? You should be able to look at him when he was a player or his highlights or his stats and say to yourself, this guy is a Hall of Famer. So, and it, same with a Derek Jeter. Again, I mean, you can say whatever you want about Derek. I am, I am a Red Sox fan, die hard. Been a die hard Red Sox fan since I was three years old. So you're talking 1995, move on all the way back to that era. But it, it is just unbelievable how, again, the media has their agenda. And now, all going off of that, that's what brings me to the moron of the day. Hey, moron! Hey, moron! Duh! Look at me! I'm the one water boy, dude! I got a wooden spoon, dude! So again... This is coming from someone born and raised, diehard Red Sox fan. I live just outside of Boston. Red Sox fan through and through. But someone actually had the audacity to not put Derek Jeter on their ballot. Now, honestly, how do you, especially, you have 10 spaces on the Hall of Fame ballot. You can put is up to 10 players on that ballot. You do not put Derek Jeter on that ballot. I hope and pray that someone finds this guy. And because again, I just I want to know. I want to know the reasoning behind it. Now Part of me wants to know, and part of me doesn't, because at the same time, I feel like if we find out who this guy is, I feel like this is one of these media members that sees it as, well, you know what, you know what, I can take this, all this negative press and turn it into a positive, because I'll be known as the guy to not put the one guy out of almost 400 voters to not put Derek Jeter on my ballot. It's just like it, you know. It's a bad time. It's it's not a good thing when you have Red Sox fans basically defending Derek Jeter. I mean, you know, growing up, you had the whole 
Nomar Jeter. I was a huge Nomar fan. I mean, Nomar, Nomar was back then what Tom Brady is to me now, because that's how good I thought Nomar was. Now, obviously, Nomar broke down. Derek Jeter had a long career, twenty, you know, twenty years or whatever it was. And but I mean, the guy was a true professional. He was a true professional. I mean, you know, he won five World Series titles. He had to play in a city like New York where you have the media shoved up your butt every day asking you questions constantly. And he was able to allow himself to kind of brush that stuff aside and be a true professional. And, again, you look at his numbers. it It's unmatched. I mean, and so, again... How do you become that guy? How do you become that one guy that says, you know what? I, I look at this ballot and I just I don't I don't see Derek Jeter as a Hall of Famer. I just don't. I just don't. And you know, again, you're probably gonna get some. Oh well, you know, uh, Joe DiMaggio wasn't a first ballot, so so why does Derek Jeter deserve to be a first ballot? Shouldn't we be better than that? I mean, granted, I wasn't there back in whatever year it was, in the 60s or 70s or whatever it was when Joe DiMaggio was voted in. But, I mean, you you cannot be serious with that. You have to be the biggest freaking moron in the world to not put Derek Jeter on a Hall of Fame ballot. And, And like I said, watch this. I will bet money that this guy, either you never find out who the guy is, or eventually, which... It'll get leaked out, and then he's gonna run with it and probably go on a media tour. I can see him writing a book. He'll, he'll, or he'll write, you know, some column. And if, if he works for a newspaper, I mean, that was like Dan Shaughnessy today, good old Shank Shaughnessy. You know, and so if you know, for those of you who don't know Dan Shaughnessy, he is a writer for the Boston Globe. He's been doing it for years. One of the, I think he is their main sports writer, and this guy literally like. You know, and I and I say this a lot about some of these guys in the media that, you know, it's like you just look at them. Now, you know, I, I never played professional sports, didn't play college. I played, you know, from when I was a young kid all the way through high school, and then I stopped. But, you know, you just look at a guy like Dan Shaughnessy, and you just, you got to think, like, he probably sucked at sports. And probably all of his life, he was probably one of those guys, he loved sports, he knew a lot about sports, but he just was god-awful, he wasn't athletic, and just did not have the God-given talent. And so what probably ended up happening was he couldn't play sports, and, you know, he probably had a ton of athletes, you know, bullying him, probably stuffing him in lockers. And and you could just tell, and like he was probably like, you know, one day, one day, I'm going to work for for a newspaper and I'm going to cover these athletes and I'm going to stick it to them because again I mean you know he writes these columns and uh, like where he comes up with this stuff it's unreal it is unreal I mean basically his column today was basically saying why Kurt Schilling is a borderline Hall of Famer and due to the fact that he is borderline and then you add on all the stuff he says, whether he's tweeted it or said in the media, which again, I mean, we can go into a bunch of this stuff that Kurt Schilling has said. And, you know, again, as, as a fan of the Red Sox, as a, I was a big fan of Schilling when he played here. And I myself sometimes say, like, come on, like, can, do you really have to post that? Like, if you just didn't post that, it, it would, 
you wouldn't have to worry about this backlash. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, what I say with Schilling is, you know, I guess you got to give him credit because at least he's an honest guy. He doesn't give a crap, you know, what the backlash is going to be. I mean, because honestly, he, he would have definitely been voted in the Hall of Fame by now if it wasn't for a lot of that stuff. But, you know, I, I just think that someone like Schilling who... To my knowledge, he's never been arrested. He's never physically harmed someone. You know, he's still married. I think he has a, a son and a daughter. I know he has multiple kids. And I've never heard a single thing about him coming out and, you know, anything illegal. Nothing that you would say, all right, this this guy's a bad dude. And, you know, I mean, we're also talking about a guy where... You know, Game 6 of the 2004 ALCS, he had the bloody sock thing, and everyone always kind of gives him crap about that, saying, oh, it was ketchup, and you just wanted the attention. Well, the one thing that people do seem to forget was he had K-A-L-S written on his cleat. So when they when that camera zoomed in on the sock to show the blood, it had K-A-L-S right below it. Now... Again, I mean, to me, that's a good dude. That's a guy who he's tried to raise awareness for ALS. He's donated money to ALS. He's done stuff for the Jimmy Fund here in Boston. I mean, and and for someone like Dan Shaughnessy to write a column in the Boston Globe today saying that, well, he was a borderline Hall of Famer, which, again, I don't even agree with that, but fine. But fine, let's say you think he's a borderline Hall of Famer based on his stats. But to say that, oh, because of his character and the things that he said, that's why we're going to keep him out, I just think that's ridiculous. Because, again, like I said, he's never gotten arrested. He's never physically harmed anyone. You know, he he had a part in his column where he said something, something about Schilling has a collection of stuff from Nazi Germany. Like, are we really doing that? I mean, I... It's just unbelievable. I mean, first of all, half my family is Jewish, and I like if I were to be voting for the Hall of Fame, would I ever? Well, well, you know, that one time I remember Kurt saying he has a has a collection um, of some Nazi items because he likes collecting old war things, like from World War Two, and you know, as we all know, you know, Nazi Germany was a part of World War Two. But he he literally was going to bring that up to try and justify that. You know, that's why, and, and what's so insane to me is he literally came out and said that when Schilling was first on the ballot, he voted for him. So, again, whether it's the stuff he's tweeted or his support for Trump or his politics, I mean, th that just makes no sense to me. All these writers, some of them, you know, they, for seven years, don't have a guy on their ballot, and then in the eighth year, all of a sudden, they start voting for him. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, how could you possibly do that? That just that just makes zero sense. But again, it, it all comes down to their agendas. Instead of just looking at highlights of the picture or the player, position player, hitter, whatever, looking at their highlight reel, remembering what it was like watching them as a player, looking up their stats, they, they just don't do that. And, and the thing that I always laugh about, too, because, you know, when it comes to the Hall of Fame, everyone always looks at, oh, well, you know, who got that, 
you know, above 75% to get in and, you know, who got just below it and who's close to getting in and who just didn't make it. What I always look at, to be honest with you, which, again, just shows how dumb these people can be in the media, I always go down to the bottom of the page and look to see what players even got votes. So now, for this year's ballot, if you go to the bottom... You will see that there were four players that actually received one single vote from a writer. Now again, we'll never know probably who these guys are, but the four players that received one vote were Raul Ibanez, Brad Penny, Adam Dunn, and J.J. Putz. Now, (laughs) Now, I'm a pretty big baseball fan. I do know these four players. But at the same time, who the hell would think of even giving a single vote to one of these guys? I mean, that, that is just like Brad Penny. Brad Penny has a 4.29 ERA. Okay? Like, what? But again, I am almost positive that whatever baseball writer gave him that one vote. It was probably because, oh, you know, he spoke to him when he needed to write a newspaper column or, you know, he signed a baseball for his son that he could give to him for Christmas. Again, what does that have to do with voting for someone for the Hall of Fame? That should have nothing to do with that. But this is what these writers do, and this is what we run into. That's such a freaking issue. And I'll tell you right now, another thing that I've been starting to notice within the last couple of years is, in my opinion, it's become a huge problem just in the game of baseball in general, is the analytics and the number one stat that everyone goes off of nowadays. I'm talking about war. Now, I'm a person that I love looking at stats I love breaking down numbers. I love looking at a player to see what their batting average hits, home runs, RBIs, you know, the general batting stats. But I will tell you one thing right now. When it comes to war, does anyone know how to calculate war? If I were to give any person on the street a pencil and a piece of paper, would they be able to tell me how to calculate war? No. And the thing is, People now, when it comes to baseball, refer to the war stat like it's the freaking Bible. I mean, and and I think what's happening with these Hall of Fame votes is a lot of these guys, like a Larry Walker, is coming out of nowhere because of what his war number was. Now, again, you look at the two Hall of Famers that got in this year, Derek Jeter, Larry Walker. If I were to go up to any random person on the street, if I went to a Red Sox game this summer and said, you know, who who do you think is the better player? Derek Jeter or Larry Walker? I mean, you you know, you watched both. Who who do you think was the better player? There's not a single person that would tell me Derek Jeter was not the best player. You know, I guess unless you got some biased Red Sox fan. Yeah, I know. Noma was better. Noma was better. We, you know, we know. But let's be honest. 
Derek Jeter, far and away, no doubts about it, much better than Larry Walker. Well, when I heard about the Hall of Fame ballot, votes coming in, Larry Walker got in, Derek Jeter, I said, you know, like, what was their war? Let's, you know, let's take a look at that. What was it? Did you guys know that Larry Walker actually has a better war than Derek Jeter? To me, all you have to do is look at that and say to yourself, this is the dumbest stat. Because, again, you know, people consider war to be a, you know, no one knows what it is, no one knows how to calculate it, but what they do is, those. well, it's a, it's a compilation of, you know, your, your hitting, your fielding, your base, again, but, but how do you calculate it? Because to me, any stat that supposedly is a culmination of all the stats and will tell you if a player is better than another player, if in any sort of stat that says Larry Walker is better than Derek Jeter, you're you're freaking clueless. But to me, that is what is hurting the Hall of Fame vote in a lot of sense. Because what I think it was two years or three years ago, Tim Raines got it. Now again, Tim Raines... Like, he was a little before my time. I mean, I was born in 92. He, he played in the 80s. For, I think he was a split between the 80s and the 90s. So I don't remember him a ton. But at the same time, I can't think of a single highlight or anything like that that I've ever seen on the MLB Network that was, wow, this was this was what made Tim Raines such a great player. But you know what? What ended up happening was is a lot of these writers, they go back into the stats. They look at the stats, which, again, I'm all for looking at the stats. But... When it comes to the stat of war, they're gonna they looked at his war, they go, wow, Tim Raines. Wow, he has, he has a high war. We gotta start voting voting for this guy. But like I just again, how can you vote for someone based on war? But again, this is what we run into every season in baseball. I mean, now the, the MVP vote basically just comes down to who had the highest war. It doesn't matter if their team made the playoffs. It doesn't matter if their team came in last place. It doesn't matter what's... You just look at the wars, and you say, okay, or, uh, you know, okay, best war. Yep, yep, we'll give it to him. And that's what they do. And it's actually funny, though, because, you know, you also look at the war, and so Larry Walker, again, his war is .3 better than Derek Jeter. But again, he has, he has a higher war than Derek Jeter. But, on the other hand, then let's go to Kurt Schilling. His war is about seven points higher than Walker and Jeter. But see, that's but that's when, you know, you get the writers that come, oh, you know, his character and the stuff he tweets and, you know, uh, I, I just, I can't vote for the character claw. Like, no, no, no. Like, just... Just get out of here with that. Just get out. But, you know, it just, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, I just feel like there's a right thing to do. There's a right way to do things and there's a wrong way to do things. And, again, I just, like Larry Walker, I, I don't, I mean, I, I did look up his stats after. There were a few things. I mean, he won three batting titles. Which, you know, that's pretty impressive. He had a career 313 average. That's, you know, that's pretty impressive. Um, Seven-time gold glove, five-time all-star. Like, that's that's up there. Played 17 years. That's solid. Um, 
but but still, I just again, I and you know I I also when it comes to Hall of Fame, I I see it again. I just I see it as you know was was that the guy like if he was a Red Sox, I would say all right you know for a pitcher is is that the guy that I wanted on the mound for a, for a game seven winner take all game or. You know, is is that the hitter that I want up in the bottom of the ninth when you're down by a run? You know, but also if they were on another team, I you know if I if I as a Red Sox fan, if if I'm if I was watching a game Red Sox Yankees and it's the bottom of the ninth and the Yankees are down by a run, I didn't want Derek Jeter in the batter's box. And and again, that's a Hall of Famer to me. I mean, e- even you know. It was a, I think it was about a year ago. Was it last year? Yeah, Edgar Martinez got in. Edgar Martinez got in, and you know, final ballot. And I just said, I'm like, Edgar Martinez is not a Hall of Famer. He's just, he's just not. I just don't. I never thought of him to to be a guy I feared, but. I said that, and I believe that, and at the same time, I also heard a story come out that said that Pedro Martinez and Mariano Rivera said that Edgar Martinez was one of the toughest hitters they've ever faced in their entire career. So I got to admit, even though you know I was not a believer in Edgar Martinez being voted in, when I heard that, I said, all right, fine, fine, I'll allow it. But then, I mean, yeah, even like Mike Messina last year. I mean, come on. It, again, game one of the playoffs or game seven of the play. Like, who would you rather have on the mound, Kurt Schilling or Mike Messina? It's night and day. It's night and day. And these people vote in Messina like it's like, oh, yeah, he deserved it. It's like, come on. You know, and then they try and just, well, he, you know, he played his whole career in the, in the AL East. He had to face some of the toughest hitters and the, you know, the toughest hitters ballparks to pitch in and it's like no get like get out of here because like again I was a Red Sox fan Messina was on the Yankees whether it was the 03 ALCS or the 04 ALCS if there was a moment where Mike Messina was starting the next game I would just be like okay you know Messina's good you know the you know you got to battle with him you you know he's a tough pitcher did I ever say he was a Hall of Famer did I ever say oh geez Mike Messina's pitching him we're screwed we don't have a shot no Never, never, never a moment that happened. I mean, and that was the other thing too. You know, you look at the voting percentages of last year, and you look. I, I looked at Schilling and Larry Walker. So last year, Schilling got six percent more of the votes than Larry Walker, but then now this year, Larry Walker got six percent of the votes more than Schilling. Like where? Where is the math here? Where this, like, again, the, the stuff doesn't make sense. I'm all about stuff just common sense, making sense. How does it make any sense that in a year, one guy goes from having 6% more of the votes to all of a sudden having 6% less of the votes compared to Larry Walker? I mean, that just doesn't make sense to me. Now, I get it. At the end of the day, Kurt Schilling, he'll get voted in next year. I mean, you know, he's at 70% of the vote. I think they said he only needed about 20 more votes to get in next year. And what they also said was, you, oh my God, you look at the ballot next year. It is, whew, total garbage. I mean, you look at the first ballot players next year. 
I, I probably couldn't even tell you who is the best player out of all the first ballot guys next year. I, I mean, maybe Barry's, no, because I can't even give Barry's, you know, he won that, like, one Cy Young award, I mean, he, you know, with the A's, but then he went to the Giants, got that huge contract, and was trash after that, I mean, maybe a guy like a Torrey Hunter, I mean, he was a pretty consistent player, phenomenal center fielder, but I'm again. I'm sorry. Like he was a great guy, but if if he eventually gets voted in, I mean, now like what the hell are we doing? You know, it, it's like come on. But yeah, I just. But you. Know, but still, who knows? Because I was thinking next year. Well, so we got the release of the ballots next year in January 2021. Well, you know, November 2020, a new president's going to get elected. Now we all know. Kurt Schilling's going to be supporting Trump. We know how he is. I mean, are are we going to have Kurt Schilling this year get 70% of the vote and then due to the fact that there's a presidential election next year, he his vote's going to drop down again like it did when Trump got elected? I mean, I think when Trump got elected, I think his voting percentage, Schilling, went down like 5 to 10%. And, and again, it's like... I. He might be the only person in the, in the history of the Hall of Fame ballot that had that big of a drop just because, again, he, he supported a presidential candidate. I mean, like, what does that have to do with sports? Can, can we please separate the two? Can we please at least try our best to separate the two? All right, and, well, <laughs> that brings us to the next topic I'll be discussing today. Again, it just it has that connection to the media and their agendas and everyone just comes up with their, you know, hot takes. Again, I'm I'm all I am good with someone coming up with an opinion or an idea. But can we at least back it up with some actual facts and stats and, you know, it just I mean, so again, I I know I didn't want to get I didn't want to go down this road, but we're we're going to go down it. But again, I'm going to put my spin on things. Tom Brady and where he will be playing in the 2020 NFL season. So, I'm sure again, it's all through the media. Where's Tom Brady playing next year? Where's he going to go? Is this team interested? Would this be interested? Would he want to go here? And some of these, so honestly, I'm going to go one by one, team by team that I have heard that he might go to. And a lot of them, I have also the media member that's attached to it that, again, they gave their hot take, you know, and said where, what they think is going to happen. And he might go to this team because of this. Like, again, I'm all for throwing out ideas and theories, but can, can we at least have some concrete evidence as to why he'd want to go to that team? I mean, in my opinion, you you first got to look at it from Brady's perspective. And I think with him, what it comes down to, in my opinion, I think, yes, he wants to come back to the Patriots. If you ask him right now what his first choice would be, he wants to come back to the Patriots. But at the same time, the Patriots have to give in a little too. Now, we all know the Patriots, they're not known for throwing a ton of money at people, let alone a 42-year-old quarterback. 
But at the same time, you cannot give Tom Brady a disrespectful offer. And I believe that that is the only way that Tom Brady is not playing for the Patriots next year is if Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, the three of them sit down and Tom Brady says, all right, what are you, what are you going to offer me? What's your, what's your first offer? Now, if Bill Belichick, you know, pushes the offer sheet over to Tom and it says, let's say, one year, $13 million, 14 million, 15 million, something in that range. I think that's the moment that Tom Brady, he storms off. He picks up his phone. He calls his agent, says, all right, start lining the teams up. We're going to take flights this day to this spot, this day to that spot, and this day to that spot because I'm done here. I can't take it anymore. This is ridiculous. That's the only way. That is the only way. I feel like if both of them are willing to compromise, come to some sort of middle agreement where they can both finalize something I could I I don't even think there's going to be an issue I don't even think Tom Brady will actually go visit those teams I know the reports are oh Tom Brady's already lying you know again I think his first option is the Patriots he's going to go to them he's going to say what are you going to offer me let's start let's start from here now again if they give him even if they give him something like a let's say a one-year 20 million dollar offer to start off I think he'll say, well, that's that's bullcrap, but at the same time, I think he'll be willing to at least listen to them and negotiate like anything else. But that's my opinion of the situation. Now, I got to admit, I really haven't totally thought of where I think he could end up if, let's say, he gets a disrespectful offer from the Patriots. Um, part of me thinks it could be a team that could possibly sort of come out of nowhere. Um, you know, I think the main thing everyone's saying, uh, you know, Los Angeles Chargers, number one right on the board. Which, I, I gotta say, when you look at the teams, I think that probably would be the best fit. I mean, they're basically going from an old quarterback like Phillip Rivers, who you can tell just, he just doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't. Um, so basically going from an old quarterback like Phillip Rivers to an old quarterback like Tom Brady, who's experienced... I could see that being a solid fit. They got great weapons. I mean, we're talking, you know, wide receivers. You got Keenan Allen. You got Mike Williams. I think he was like a seventh overall pick. Great wide receiver. Huge target, um, which I always thought he was a great, you know, I think he's only played a couple of years, but I always thought he was a great wide receiver that honestly I feel like Phillip Rivers never took advantage of. Um, You know, they have Hunter Henry, who is a free agent. I could see him re-signing there. Um especially if they get Brady, because I think at that point they're just going to start throwing money everywhere to build around Brady. But, um, you know, and then you got running backs. I mean, this year they had Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, both phenomenal running backs. Uh, Melvin Gordon's a free agent. Now, again, same sort of situation. You know, he might leave, but at the end of the day, I mean, you have Austin Eckler. You can bring in another running back as Eckler's backup, you're fine. Especially, again, with a quarterback like Brady, who has two big, tall wide receivers on the outside that he can do a lot of work with. Um, but at the same time, you got a team that I think is a great – they also have a great defense, too. Um, you know, And then, again, you got the factor of it's L.A., it's California. Tom Brady's a California guy. You know, he used to live in L.A., 
They're opening this brand new stadium. They're going to want to sell the place out. I could see them selling millions of Tom Brady Los Angeles Chargers jerseys. But, and again, this is where people, I just, I, I just don't understand it in the media. They just don't get it. So, Willie McGinnis was on a podcast. He was asked, of course, where do you think Tom Brady's going to go? Now, Willie McGinnis, for those who don't know a ton about him, obviously he's a former Patriot great, Patriot Hall of Famer. He currently works for the NFL Network as an analyst. Guy really knows his stuff, and he is hooked into all stuff Patriots. He knows, you know, he was Robert Kraft's first draft pick when he bought the franchise. So again, he is very tapped into the organization. He is close with Kraft. He is close with Brady. I mean, Brady, Brady's so-called guru, the guy who started the entire TB12 thing is Alex Guerrero. Alex Guerrero was Willie McGinnis' trainer. I believe it was like 05, 06. Brady was talking about having some soreness in his elbow, and at the time he was a guy in his mid-high 20s, and he couldn't believe how he was already having elbow soreness. So Willie McGinnis mentioned him, hey, you know, I got this got this trainer, Alex Guerrero. He he does you know amazing work. You sh- you know, you should go to him. And now Alex Guerrero is Tom Brady's best friend. He's his business partner. He's the godfather of his children. Okay? So again, this is a guy, Willie McGinnis, former teammate of Brady and basically introduced Brady to his best friend. So Willie McGinnis is good friends with Brady and Guerrero. Willie McGinnis was on that podcast, and when the Los Angeles Chargers were brought up, I thought right away, and that's the thing too, Willie, he's from that area. He's a Southern California guy, went to USC. I was thinking right away he would say, oh yeah, I, I think you know, I think the Chargers would be a pretty good fit. The But no, the first thing he said was that And again, he didn't get into it, he didn't say why, but according to him, he said that Giselle, obviously as everyone knows, Tom Brady's wife, the mother of his children, she doesn't like L.A. Now to be honest, I'm kind of surprised. I feel like L.A. would be Giselle's kind of city, just based off of what I've seen from her in the media and modeling. Like I just feel like L.A. would be a great warm weather city for her, but... No, I guess according to Willie McGinnis, Giselle does not like L.A. So now, now we're going we're to get into some personal stuff, not just sports stuff. If you're Tom Brady, you're the husband of Giselle. We all know Giselle doesn't even want Tom Brady to still be playing football. So we all know Tom Brady, as, as, as the husband, had to bargain with Giselle just to keep playing football at this age. Do you think now Tom Brady is going to get that offer from the L.A. Chargers and go to Giselle and say, hey, well, you know, honey, uh, you know, I I know you don't want me to keep playing football. I want to play another couple of years. Uh, You know, would you be okay if I played for the Chargers? She would freaking lose her mind. We all know how that works in relationships. You know, it's like she allowed him to keep playing football. She's not going to then on top of it be willing to move to a city that she doesn't like. That's just not going to happen. 
So I'm sorry, even though the Chargers, I think, would be a great fit, I think the Chargers will offer Brady a solid contract with a lot of money. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen because we all know Giselle's going to put the kibosh on it and that'll be it. So in my opinion, you immediately can cross the Chargers off the list. And, and now, in my opinion, that was the best option. So now, right now, your that best option is now crossed off the list. So now, let's get into some of the other teams that a lot of people have been bringing up. So, this weekend, was there was a UFC fight out in Las Vegas. So, you know, Brady's always been known to, you know, hit up, you know, UFC fights, boxing matches, and, he, you know, he was out there for the UFC fight by himself. And, uh... There was a picture of him with the owner of the current Oakland. Well, I guess now they're technically the Vegas. So the new Vegas Raiders. Talking to Mark Davis. Now, people that were there, supposedly the rumor is they were talking for about 20 minutes. Now, to me, <laughs> Mark, I don't know if you I don't know if any of you've ever seen a picture of Mark Davis. You you gotta look it up. The guy looks like a complete bozo. And you know, I, I mean, literally, he, he is Lloyd Christmas from the movie Dumb and Dumber. I think if you Google Lloyd Christmas Mark Davis, they have a side by side photo and you you can just laugh. Laugh at your oh, it's just it, it's great. But they were anyways, back to the back to the <laughs> Back to the topic at hand. They said they were talking for 20 minutes. And again, same sort of situation in a way with the Chargers where, you know, the Raiders have Derek Carr, but at the end of the day, they're not going to hitch their wagon at Derek Carr. I mean, he's, you know, he's an okay quarterback, but if you can get Tom Brady, you're going to jump at that. You're opening a brand new stadium. You want to sell out. I get it. But... I just, the, the Raiders, John Gruden, he, he runs a West Coast offense. I mean, I, I just, Brady's going to have to come into that team, come into that offense as a 42-year-old quarterback, which, let's be honest, at most, he has three more years, and I don't even see that. I think I think it's two more and he's done. That To be totally honest with you, I think he has two more years. He's going to want to now go across the country being a brand new team and a brand new type of offense, and he's going to have to learn it. And to me, I don't even think it's a, a Peyton Manning to the Broncos type situation where I don't know if any of you know, but when Peyton Manning went to the Denver Broncos, he basically, they basically said as a franchise, they scrapped their entire offense and basically just said, all right, our, our offense is now the Peyton Manning offense. They basically took what he ran in Indianapolis and said, that's what we're going to run in Denver. But at the same time with Peyton Manning, I mean, he played about, I think, three more years. And, you know, I mean, Denver, they went to a Super Bowl. They won a Super Bowl. So at the end of the day, it was worth it. But at the same time, I think... They also thought he was probably going to play a little longer, but because he had those neck issues, his body was breaking down, he had to retire. With Brady going to the Raiders, you also got to remember, John Gruden's their head coach. Like I said, he runs a West Coast offense. John Gruden's a guy, he got a 10-year, $100 million contract when he went back to be the coach of the Raiders a couple of years ago. Do you think a guy that's getting paid that much with that kind of ego 
is going to be willing to scrap his entire offense for a quarterback who, let's be honest, he's probably going to play two more years at most, three more years. And, again, Brady living in Vegas. I, I, I Like, one thing that seems fairly obvious watching Brady throughout his career and in the media, he seems like a family guy. He does. You know, he has Giselle as his wife. He has he has his two kids with Giselle. He has a, a son with Bridget Moynihan. So, you know, he has a wife and three kids. And that's another thing. His son with Bridget Moynihan, they live in New York. So this is where all these stories, they don't match up. The big rumor, uh, you know, Greg Hill on WEI. Oh, according to my sources, Tom Brady is now, not only has he bought a house in Greenwich, Connecticut, but he has also moved out of his house in Brookline, Massachusetts, and is now living in his Greenwich, Connecticut home. So, okay, so he's he moved to Greenwich, Connecticut because everyone says, well, you know, he has his other son with Bridget Moynihan who lives in New York, and he wants to be closer to his son to be there for him. But then now he's going to move to Vegas to play in Vegas. Like, again, the, the, the stuff doesn't match up. It was, I think, I saw Pat McAfee on the Pat McAfee show. He goes, oh, I could see Brady going to the Raiders, and and they'll name him as an assistant coach. He'll be a, a player coach. When the hell has that ever happened in the NFL? I don't even know if you can do that. I, like, I don't even, I don't even think it's possible to do that. I mean, so again, just throwing this crap out there like it's nothing. I mean, what are we doing here? You know? So again, I mean, the Raiders, you know, a lot, like, there's stuff that matches up, but at the end of the day, looking at the bigger picture, it just, it's not, I, I just don't see it. It's not going to happen. Next team. The New York Giants. Alright. So, a rumor came out a couple days ago that said that Tom Brady would not only be willing to be a mentor for a younger up-and-coming quarterback, but he, he would love the opportunity because, you know, he could work with him, he could introduce him to TB12, you know, if it's a young quarterback, he can get him into the TB12 workouts earlier in their lives, and, and then they could go on to be a, a tremendous quarterback for a, a very long time. Are, are we serious right now? Like, we're talking about Tom Brady. We're talking about the guy who he doesn't want to miss a snap. And we're not just talking about in a game. We're not talking about when the score is 35 to nothing with three minutes left in the game and he's still out there handing the ball off to run the clock out. Like, you know, so so we're going to say that that guy all of a sudden is now willing to, you know, help out the younger quarterback and be a mentor and you know, be a buddy to him and show him the way and introduce him to TB12, that's not going to happen. And again, that report, I don't know if it's it's just complete bull crap, because who knows too. I mean, at the end, I also believe, and you know, all the power to him, I think that Brady in, you know, maybe his agent or his family, you know, but the, the so-called Brady camp that everyone talks about, I think they throw out a lot of this stuff to open it up for more teams to give him more offers. I think at the end of the day, he's just trying to drive the price up for the Patriots. Because I think he knows, like I said, you know, when he sits down at the table with Belichick and Kraft, they're not going to give him that high of an offer. 
So I think if he says something like that, or, you know, oh, I'd be willing to mentor a quarterback, it immediately brings in a team like the New York Giants or, you know, the, the Cleveland Browns, who, you know, you first look at the team and you're like, well, wait a minute, they have a starting quarterback who, you know, he's a year or two in, but, you know, we're talking about a, a top 10 quarterback pick in the draft. You're not just going to tell that guy who's now starting to all of a sudden now, no, you're going to sit on the bench for two years and watch Tom Brady. So, again, it just, it doesn't add up. I'm sorry. It, it just, it, it just doesn't. I mean, I think even at one point they said the Cleveland Browns in Vegas were the odds-on betting favorite for any team that wasn't the Patriots for Brady to go to. Now, again, that just makes no sense to me. I understand Baker Mayfield. He looked terrible last year. You know, he put up terrible numbers. The Browns underachieved. He said a lot of stupid things. Really didn't seem like that kind of leader that you would like for your franchise quarterback to be. But at the end of the day, they they drafted him with the number one overall pick. They're not going to have that guy. Okay, we're going to give you the keys basically to the franchise. And then now all of a sudden, no, you're going to take a seat. You're going to give this 42-year-old quarterback two years of starting time. And and then you're just going to sit and wait for two years. That's just not going to happen. That the team would be in turmoil. That would never happen. Especially a guy like Baker Mayfield. A guy like him who runs his mouth and thinks he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean, that just would never work. That would never work. I mean, you know, the, the next thing we got Nesson. Um, for those who, you know, who don't know out there, Nesson, it's the New England Sports Network. It's... You know, they cover, you know, all the Boston Bruins games, Boston Red Sox games. They also, you know, obviously cover Patriots and Celtics and all other things that have to do with Boston sports. Literally every day, they post an article. And the article says, why QB Tom Brady does and does make, not make, what the f- I don't even know. I, I, I'm just getting so flustered. So I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> Basically, it says why quarterback Tom Brady does, but also does not make sense to go to this blank team. And like literally, the article it'll have like the Carolina Panthers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like, why would Tom Brady ever want to even live in Tampa Bay? <laughs> Can you imagine, like, I just, it, it just does not make any sense to me. So again, I'm all for someone to bring up a team and say, look, this is why I could see Tom Brady going to this team. It makes perfect sense to me. But you also have to look on the other side and see why it does not make sense. And if those things that don't make sense outweigh the things that do make sense, you cross it off the list. It's as simple as that. Now, again, I mean, these teams that, in my opinion, as I mentioned, the Chargers, the Raiders, granted, like I said, if Brady sits down with Kraft and Belichick, he gets an offer that he thinks is absurd and is just straight, you know, In the words of Stephen A. Smith, straight up disrespectful. Then then I could totally see him just losing his mind and just saying, you know, screw the Patriots. 
I'm out. I'll go play for anyone that's willing to give me a big deal, and I don't care. I don't care if it's a winning team. I don't care the system they run. I don't care the weapons they have. I don't care what their chance of winning is. I'm just going to leave and be done with the Patriots. I could, I could see that. I could see that. But I still don't think it's a high percentage. I think at the end of the day, eventually Kraft, Belichick, Brady, they're going to sit down. Because with with Belichick, too, it's like, you know, who are you, you going to sit him? I mean, you know, and I get it. Belichick, he, he, we all know. He's the best, the best coach of all time. And we all know that Belichick is the, you know, one of the most, if not the most, arrogant coaches of all time. So I could totally see him, you know, sitting in a contract discussion with Tom Brady and Robert Kraft and saying, oh, well, you know, why do I need you when I have Stidham? I can, I, you know, I, I could win with Stidham. And he makes, I think Stidham makes it about half a million bucks next year. So, again, I mean, you're talking... I think at the very least, Tom Brady is going to have to make $20 million next year. So let's say, compare $20 million to a half a million dollars. I mean, that that is a huge gap. I get it. But Belichick wants to win too. And we're, you know, we're not just talking he wants to win 10-11 games, win a, you know, a cute little AFC title so he can you know, get the hat and the t-shirt. Like he, you know, he's gone in for Super Bowls. He wants rings. There's a reason why the guy wears a you know, eight rings visor and his boat on Nantucket says eight rings. There's a reason for that. And deep down, we all know that he knows he has a much better chance of winning with Brady these next two years than Stidham. It's as simple as that. So, I mean, that's kind of where my thoughts are at this point. I got to admit, I'm a person that l- loves listening to sports talk radio. I, you know, for those of you who don't know in Boston, you know, the two main, we have two main sports talk radio stations. You know, we got WEI, we have 98.5 The Sports Hub. Literally ever since the Patriots and Titans game ended, it has been nonstop. Where is Brady going to go? The speculation. They, they have freaking clock countdowns. So, you know, oh, day. 63 until free agency and when Tom Brady becomes a free agent. I mean, honestly, it, it's become a freaking joke. And, I, and I'm all for entertainment and making jokes. But again, the, you know, these people, they they come out with, you know, oh, this this is the team he's going to. And this is it. And, and it's like they spin it and spin it and spin it like a freaking top. And they just spin the narrative until they can somehow explain why Tom Brady would go to this team and that team. And it's just like, come on, you know. And it's gotten to the point where I heard it for about a week after the last Patriots game of the season. And then it just got to the point, I'm like, all right, I've I've had enough. I've had enough, you know, because it just, it's just never ending, you know. And then now, now that we have the San Francisco 49ers, in the Super Bowl, and we got Jimmy Garoppolo in a Super Bowl, then now they want to bring back all the others. So, well, you know, Garoppolo, should you trade a Garoppolo? It was the right decision. It was the right decision. You went to another Super Bowl. You won another Super Bowl. So even, let's say, Tom Brady today decides to retire, it still was the right decision. It was the right decision to, to, to trade Garoppolo. Your hands were tied. You had to trade him. Now, 
My gripe was what they got back for him, a second round pick. That's that's just ridiculous. You know, I can go on rants about that another day, um, but it it doesn't matter, honestly. I mean, un- unless Jimmy Garoppolo, unless he becomes one of the ten greatest quarterbacks of all time, which I think he'll be a good quarterback. I really do. I think he'll be a franchise quarterback, but. I don't even see him as making the Hall of Fame, let alone being a, a top 10 quarterback. But, you know, who knows? I mean, you know, players get better, quarterbacks get better. I mean, as we all know as Patriots fans, Tom Brady was never really that great at the beginning of his career. I mean, he he was able to make the big plays when you needed him, but you look up his stats, and, you know, you can say, well, for that era, you know, the, the stats weren't as high as they are now, and, and I agree with that. It's more of a passing league now. But at the same time, you look at his stats, and even from a lot of the playoff games and Super Bowls, I mean, he didn't put up huge numbers either. He just kind of made the, the, the big plays when you needed to have them made in the big moments. And that's obviously what's always made Tom Brady great. But, you know, it just, like I said, the... These oh sports talk radio nonsense and ESPN it's just nonsense but but all right but I think that's where I'm gonna close up today on the first episode of the Wicked Sports Podcast. Uh, I'm not sure when I'll be posting the second episode. I think at the moment I'm gonna be probably releasing episodes every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. So this first episode will be released for Thursday tomorrow for all you listeners to check out. 